I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is not the London I grew up in. It's time to take back our city. This granny's joining the resistance. Are you? Play Watch Dogs Legion. Available October 29th. Rated M for Mature. Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula One news. Follow us on Twitter at ScuderiaF1Pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laramang. Hey everybody, what is up? Welcome back to the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula One here on the Overtime Media Network. My name is Mark Daly and it's Monday night, not Sunday night, but regardless what day of the week it is, we're going to sit back and talk about what we do on Sundays and that is talk about the Grand Prix that was this past weekend and I apologize because my weekend got completely out of control and just ran out of time to sit down in the studio on Sunday night to recap the Grand Prix from Portimao in Portugal, but be that as it may, it's uh, given us, and this is my defense uh, for, for skipping doing the show on the regular night, is that by giving it the, the benefit of an extra day. There's been some interesting uh, little tidbits and uh, news stories that have percolated to the surface since uh, the checkered flag was waved at, uh, at Portimao and Lewis Hamilton broke Michael Schumacher's record, winning a record-setting 90-second Grand Prix in Formula 1. So uh, absolutely amazing statistic. And uh, you guys know that uh, by now that I was a, a big Schumacher fan uh, back, back in the day. And all the records that Michael set, I never thought that I'd see them broken in my lifetime. But uh, the, the thing is, Lewis is still going. He's, uh, he hasn't said he's going to retire. And uh, you can be sure at the end of the, the year, he's going to be crowned a, a, a world uh, champion again, equaling uh, Michael Schumacher on seven. So that will be the next one to tie and to fall. So uh, slowly but surely, Lewis Hamilton is setting or rewriting all the uh, the, the, the record books. So uh, congratulations uh, to Lewis on another milestone and another big, big win. And uh, well, I mean, he is running away with the championship. So so let's just recap the, uh, the the race classification from Portimao. So winning the Grand Prix, Lewis Hamilton, 25 and a half seconds ahead of his teammate, uh, Valtteri Bottas. Again, I believe now it was the seventh time this season we've had a podium of Lewis Hamilton, Valtteri Bottas, and Max Verstappen, the Red Bull driver, coming home in P3. Then we had Charles Leclerc in uh, fourth for Ferrari, albeit quite a ways uh, behind uh, the, the leading pack. Well, everybody was way behind uh, Lewis, but uh, Charles, not... Uh, not too shabby. I mean, uh, we did see last week that uh, that uh, Mattia Bonato uh, for our team principal said that the changes that they were making were slowly but surely putting them in uh, the, the right direction. So uh, good to see Charles in the top five. Then we had uh, Pierre Gasly in Alpha Tauri P5, Carlos Sainz P6, Sergio Perez in the, uh, the the racing point, despite all the shenanigans he got up to. P7, Esteban Alcon and Daniel Ricciardo, the pair of Renaults finishing eighth and ninth, and Sebastian Vettel. 
in the uh, Ferrari coming home in the last points paying uh, position in P10. Then we had uh, Kimi Raikkonen, Alex Albon, Lando Norris, George Russell, Antonio Giovinazzi, Kevin Magnussen, Roman Grosjean, Nicholas Latifi, and uh, Danny Kvyat uh, rounding out uh, the the cars that uh, were classified. And then we had uh, Lance Stroll, who uh, retired after 51 laps. So looking at the uh, the driver standing, the, the, the top five, we have uh, Lewis Hamilton, 256 points. And, uh, well, he's a light year ahead of his uh, teammate, uh, Valtteri Bottas, who was uh, 179, Max Verstappen, 162. Danny Ricciardo moves uh, into fourth uh, position in the um, in the Drivers' Championship with 80. Then we have Charles Leclerc with 75. And then uh, just going down, uh, we'll go down to the top 10 here. We've got Sergio Perez, Lando Norris, Alex Albon, Pierre Gasly, and Carlos Sainz rounding out to the top 10 in the Drivers' Championship. On the constructor side, uh, no surprise here. It's been a Mercedes at the top all season long. And Silver Arrows, 435 points, 226 for Red Bull, Racing Point with 126, McLaren 124, and Renault 120, rounding out the the, the top five. And that's uh, over the, the, the next five uh, races to go before we wrap up uh, the season in Abu Dhabi. This is going to be a fascinating battle uh, to watch in the constructors between Racing Point, McLaren, and Renault. So uh, guaranteed that's going to shift around. And uh, well, Ferrari, I think they're a little bit too, too far behind uh, you know, to, to really have a throw themselves into that conversation the Scuderia is in six uh, with a 93 points so uh, quite a bit off uh, this battle in the in the midfield but uh, like I say that this three-way battle going on between these three teams going to be a lot of uh, fun to watch uh, down the stretch here before we get to, to the end of the season so like I say the big story of this weekend was the fact that uh, that Lewis Hamilton did win a record-setting 92nd Grand Prix in Formula One and uh, yeah like I said off the top of the show I really never thought uh, I'd see a lot of these uh, records uh, by Michael Schumacher broken, but be that as may, I think that's uh, what records are there. That's what they're there for, that uh, somebody's always going to come along and aim for them. I'm just actually surprised that uh, that they, well, I mean, they've been out there for a good number of years, but I suppose once, uh, you know, you've been around the block a couple of times, uh, like myself, that you've been a fan of uh, Formula One for a while, that uh, I guess time sort of loses a bit of a perspective or you sort of lose a bit of a... Yeah, well, it seems like a while ago, let's put it that way, but uh, it's good to see that uh, that these records are being able to be matched and broken. But uh, it, it's interesting, too, to think at the same time that even though Lewis is uh, setting and beating all these records and, and creating new ones, is uh, is the driver that is going to equal or better Lewis Hamilton's uh, records? Has he been born yet or she? Has that person, uh, you know, raced yet in some of the lesser formula? Is that person in Formula One right now? That's a great question, and uh, that that question will only be answered with the passage of time over the weeks and months and years ahead of us, and I think that's just one of the fun things about uh, sports in general. Like, I have to admit in this day and age that... Um, I, I find it really hard to 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 really get hardcore and and really support the one, one driver. Um, I have my favorites and the guys that I that I do cheer for, and uh, I just find it that uh, I, I'm I'm more obsessed and more interested in the sport uh, as, as a whole, and I really enjoy it. And maybe it might be a little bit different if there there was uh, more. Uh, competitiveness uh, at, at the top, and I don't want, I don't mean to say that by or want to diminish the the, the achievements that uh, that Lewis Hamilton and uh, Mercedes have uh, you know recorded together over the past uh, several years. I mean, it's absolutely phenomenal. 
But I think where maybe when there is a lack of a fight at the front um, each and every weekend or most of the time, that uh, maybe that's kind of softened my, uh, you know, my, my passion. Well, I'm not any less passionate about uh, Formula One, but uh, be that as it may, it uh, it is still fun to, to sit down and watch a Grand Prix. But it was uh, it was an exciting opening to the uh, to the Grand Prix. We had plenty of things happening on the the opening lap, and I think that's what really kind of made it an interesting Grand Prix because it never really out and out uh, started to rain. We didn't see any uh, safety cars or virtual safety cars. Um, <laughs> we didn't see drivers having to go and switch to enters or full wet tires. And uh, it was interesting too with the drivers, uh, especially in the last phase of the race. Uh, you had a couple of them complaining over race radio that the, the the wind was starting to become a factor. And then I thought it was very interesting to see the graphic uh, come up on the uh, on, on the television display. I think that the if I remember correctly, the the, the wind seemed to be coming out of the northeast east kind of a direction or north northeast i should say at about 11.2 kilometers an hour so something maybe about six and a half miles per hour more or less doesn't seem like a really really you know like a substantial amount of wind um, you know when i think like wind i would think something a, a lot more than that something uh, that that uh, to me just seems like maybe a bit of a stiff breeze but uh, it, it is amazing even with that sort of a wind velocity especially in some of the different uh, parts of the track that were really uh, affecting the drivers but you know just in general just to, before I, I i get too far into the show i have to admit that i really like the circuit at portimao it might not have been 100% designed with formula 1 in mind i know there was a couple of issues that that they had uh, with the facility. I mean, uh, you look at Saturday at the end of FP3 when Seb Vettel went over that curb and that uh, that that drain collapsed, and they had to uh, spend some extra time, uh, you know, making uh, repairs there. And a bit of a, a short track compared to uh, a lot of the other uh, Formula One tracks. I mean, I think they were lapping about what a one minute seventeen. I think one eighteen nine or one eighteen seven was the uh, what was the fastest uh, lap in the race itself. But I mean, I don't think that necessarily takes away from it. I mean, uh, you look at, uh, I think the, the the Red Bull ring is obviously one of the shorter uh, races that we have on the calendar. I think a lap time there is something was about a 1 minute 12.9 or a 113, low 113, something there or thereabouts. I, I, I'm perfectly okay if you have a shorter laps and uh, uh, shorter yeah, lap distance wise, and you have more laps to 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 get the the required uh, uh, race distance compared to say some of the longer tracks of the year that we see in say Baku was a fairly long one, Spa Francorchamps obviously a long lap as well. Uh, the the longest one is just a, a shade under two minutes uh, for them to do a, a lap uh, through the Ardennes, and and that's those are great. But what I really liked about this uh, the, this track at Portimao is it seemed to have a little bit of uh, everything. It had some nice fast uh, sections. It had a lot of um, undulating uh, terrain. I think it really, really worked, and uh, some nice fast corners and some slow corners as uh, as well. I think it was a really cool circuit. And you know, uh, honestly, I don't really follow a lot of the other uh, you know racing series that go there. Much to my chagrin, I can just uh, never follow each and every one of uh, these uh, different uh, you know, you know MotoGP, for example. Although I really like um, you know motorcycles and the racing, I just don't really sit and get a chance to really sit down and follow it close what with everything else uh, that, that I've got going on and Formula One obviously um, tends to take a, a bit of a, a special place in my calendar in my, my life but uh, anyways um, as I say I think it was a, a very good track and I think it worked uh, extremely uh, well but there were some uh, interesting uh, things going on I guess the, the the big incident on the first lap was uh, Sergio Perez and Max Verstappen uh, coming together because Max had a really good start. Uh, Lewis I think um, was favored to, to go into the corner there but Max uh, passing uh, Val 
Valtteri Bottas and then um, running a little bit wide and then, um, you know, coming out of uh, turn two and then into turn, sorry, yeah, out of turn one into turn two and then going wide against there. I mean, Max was just really all over the place uh, in that that opening uh, lap. But it was interesting too, like um, in, in the beginning there when uh, he came together with, uh, with uh, Sergio Perez, that uh, I think that... Um, that one for me was a racing incident. The, the fact that the stewards said that they, they weren't going to, to look into it. I mean, yeah, it was obviously difficult to, for Perez, who, um, despite with all the things that uh, he got involved with uh, on, on the track there, including, you know, stop and go penalties and all these uh, different things, and ending up uh, right at the back of the pack after that uh, opening lap uh, incident with, uh, with with Max, uh, you know, finished in the top 10, I think was uh, really quite, uh, you know, quite impressive. Uh, but uh, yeah, to me, I think that that was fair. I mean, Max ran a little bit wide. I mean, uh, by the time they start going to that uh, that that flick to the left there in turn three, uh, you know, um, Sergio might have been a little bit uh, you know ahead, but Max, I think he held his ground. I don't think that uh, he made any move on uh, on Sergio, as as far as I could tell, uh, at any rate. And it was just uh, unfortunate. I think Max, uh, you know, as much, and we'll we'll talk about a little bit later on, uh, said that uh, Sergio basically uh, took himself out, but. It was it was also very interesting too to see um, uh, Sergio, or sorry, uh, Carlos Sainz fighting and, and scrapping around with the Mercedes in the opening uh, of the Grand Prix and actually passing them. And, and again, I think that we're seeing some good indications from uh, McLaren over uh, not just uh, last year, but uh, this year. It seems really that more and more that this is a team going in, in the right uh, direction. And uh, again, a good uh, result uh, for uh, Renault, uh, top, uh, uh, both cars finishing in the top 10. And uh, um, that, that I think is one of the stories to look forward to uh, next year as well is, is Daniel Ricciardo currently at Renault moving to McLaren next year after Carlos Sainz uh, goes over to Ferrari. And that is going to be something is going to be a lateral move. Is it going to be a backwards move or is uh, that that move to McLaren a bit of a sneaky one that uh, that, that is well timed on the part of uh, Daniel Ricciardo to switch from uh, Renault over to McLaren for for 2021. So that, uh, that that's going to be a lot of fun to watch uh, next year. But uh, both of these teams seem to be going in the right uh, direction and uh you know of course they they both have the same engine supposedly uh, of course uh, Renault is the works team McLaren's a customer next year the, another thing too is that they they're, they're going to have the difference in, in the power units what with McLaren giving up the Renault engine after this year switching over to Mercedes power again for for next year so again uh, there there never is a shortage of things to talk about and keep uh, your eye on in formula 1 is there there's always uh, so many things but uh, that certainly is going to be a good one to uh, to keep uh, keep watching. Anyways, so uh, just uh, before we head into the first uh, break, Lewis said that he had to lift off uh, the accelerator a couple of times on the start to finish uh, straight uh, towards the end of the Portuguese Grand Prix after suffering uh, from from leg cramps. He actually mentioned it. It came up on the race radio uh, there a couple of times. And, uh, you know, they always talk about, uh, you know, how fitness is really important uh, in Grand Prix racing these days, especially when it gets, uh, you know, it's more of the, the question of conditioning. Anybody can do it at the start of the race, but if you have a long, tough, technical, physically demanding track as Portimao is, that uh, that that strength and conditioning uh, really comes into play. The, the the further you get into the race, and uh, you know, especially in the last uh, few, few uh, laps. But it, it's funny because you know Lewis is a guy that I do not consider that uh, doesn't take uh, well. None of these guys, uh, honestly. But I mean, uh, I, I've never had any questions in my mind about the fitness uh, about uh, Lewis Hamilton. So I, I thought that uh, it was uh, very very interesting to hear him. Uh, 
uh, say that, but, but Lewis had to say himself, quote, you know, it's an incredibly physical sport, but I have a, I had a cramp in my right calf. So I was lifting quite often down the straight because I was about to, to pull. It was pretty painful, but someone had to get through it because it is what it is. You can't lift the whole lap. Uh, they said it was going to rain straight after the race, but we got some spitting just at the start. I had a good start, but I was going into turn seven. I had a huge oversteer moment. You know, I uh, didn't know what was next. So I really backed off massively and arguably I should have probably tried to defend from Valtteri, but I was like, no, I'll come back later on. Unfortunately, that's what I was able to do so, end quote. So some interesting uh, insight there from uh, Lewis, not just on the issue of uh, the, the leg cramps, but uh, just how his uh, race started. And uh, obviously a, a bit of a different strategy from his uh, teammate. And uh, it really worked. I mean, uh, he really was uh, flying at um, certain parts of the race. Okay, uh, time here for a break on the Overtime uh, Media Network. And as we do so, once again, I'd like to talk to you guys about uh, my bookie Because between the NFL, college ball, Major League base, uh, Baseball, or whatever's in season... There's never any shortage of games to watch and thousands of lines available on all your favorite sports and events, so you can turn your game day into payday with MyBookie. So if you're the type of person who likes to back the big favorites, consider putting in a couple of parlay for a much bigger payout. Not only do parlays make meaningless games more exciting, but more importantly, they give you a chance to turn ordinary bets into a real moneymaker. And also, don't forget the underdogs. They have a ton of value. The thing about the NFL is that underdogs are never really dogs on Sunday, and every team truly has a chance to win. And you do too. Game spreads, championship futures, and player prop bets. It's never too late to get in on the action and start turning your sports knowledge into actual cash in your wallet. So sign up at MyBookie today, and when you do so, use my special promo code OVERTIME to claim a deposit match dollar for dollar all the way up to a thousand bucks. It's a bonus designed to give you a little help and a head start on your winning season. That's a special promo code OVERTIME for you to claim your bonus when you make your deposit. Stacked UFC cards, presidential prop bets, all the major sports, and more. Sign up today to begin your winning season exclusively at MyBookie. All right, well, welcome back to the show, and let's get on with uh, some of the news that came out of the uh, the, the, the Portuguese Grand Prix on Sunday. And uh, Toto Wolff, uh, team principal at uh, Mercedes, uh, he went on to explain why they wanted uh, Valtteri Bottas on the on the hard tires. Uh, so anyways, uh, Toto, uh, he explained it as he always does uh, by saying, quote, if you ask the lead driver to put the hards on because uh, you believe this is the right choice, and then the second driver starts to convince you about the other thing, it's very difficult to explain that you've basically reversed the cars. We don't want to interfere too much. There will be situations where we're going to allow these calls. We are pretty convinced that the hard tire was the better tire. All the data we've seen from the cars out there lended towards our hard outperforming the medium and the soft. When you look at Checo and Esteban at the end, the soft didn't function at all. It was actually the weakest tire at the end of the race. We were pretty robust in our decision because we expected it to be the better tire, end quote. And that, that is very true. I mean, if you look right at the end, uh, when you saw Pierre Gasly uh, and, uh, and Sergio Perez really fighting there in the last couple of uh, laps, I, I think, I can't remember exactly what uh, what Gasly had on. He might have had the mediums, but uh, Perez you know, definitely had the soft tires on, and uh, they were just not working for, for for him at all at that time. Of course, his race was uh, was a bit of a misadventure uh, throughout, so um, you know, he was obviously had to kind of change things up on the fly, but uh, you know, having the softs on at the end of the race just uh, really didn't uh, work for them. So, you know, it, I, when, when I heard this and when I was watching the race, I kept thinking back a couple of races ago. I can't remember exactly which race it was, but if you remember, I think it was actually it was uh, Mugello uh, when they were there for the, for the Tuscan Grand Prix when, uh, when 
when Lewis went in, it was uh, basically uh, he went in first, and then uh, and Bottas said he wanted to do completely opposite to, <laughs> to what Lewis Hamilton uh, was doing. But I think it's interesting too when uh, when Toto says that uh, they don't want to interfere too much, so they they, they basically uh, decide that uh, you know they, they've got their way of uh, sorting it out before. So anyway, so also just uh, talking about it, uh, they, they, uh, or the, the race win for Lewis Hamilton, Mercedes uh, explained that the setup call that uh, helped uh, take Lewis to victory was uh, what was the key, in fact, that uh, helped uh, doing it. Uh, so anyways, uh, Ando Shovelin, who's the, 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 the trackside engineering director at uh, Mercedes had to say, quote, on Saturday morning, we tried two different wing levels. We'd started uh, the weekend with a lighter wing, and I think it was definitely the right decision to go for. The more downforce would have helped us today and whether the drops of rain would have turned into a proper shower. But Hamilton is more talking about how he got the balance of the car to sort of use the tires not to be hard on either end. Qualifying was really all about uh, the the warm-up, getting the temperature there. In the race, it's the left-hand side tires that get a hammering here. It's just not working the front or the rear too much because the balance starts to get away from you. Lewis is just naturally good at managing the tires. He's got this really good feel for where he's hurting them. He's able to keep the rubber on them, end quote. So, you know, it really is, uh, you know, uh, again, it's kind of an interesting insight to, to when you hear these little stories uh, coming out, especially, it, it is interesting too, when you when you hear especially like the, um, the, the, the differences in the strategy between uh, two cars in the same team. And uh, I, I, I sometimes have to wonder, like, uh, you know, if you're a Valtteri Bottas, if, uh, you know, you, you think you're getting the same treatment as, as Lewis Hamilton. I know that all the time they always say that uh, that they do, but at the end of the day, you have to think, well, you know, Lewis is the number one driver. He is the guy there. I mean, he is the man. And uh, I, I always think that he's always going to get the, the, the benefit of, um, you know, a lot of the things going in his, uh, in his favor. But regardless, uh, one of these guys is always going to come out on, on top. I mean, they are the best team with the best car. And uh, Lewis is, uh, you know, the, the guy that's uh, obviously better. And I, I was actually thinking about that, too. I, I should have mentioned this uh, off the top of the show when I was talking about, uh, you know, Lewis's record-breaking 90-second uh, Grand Prix. And I really uh, wonder that how that uh, could have like uh, turned out uh, differently. What what if it um, he hadn't gone to Mercedes uh, when he did? If he'd stuck with McLaren, would it have been somebody else that uh, had uh, been able to break all those uh, records? It w- would have been uh, Nico Rosberg, for, for example. I mean, he was there for for several years as well. I mean, he retired after the uh, the, the twenty sixteen season, which seems like a long time ago now. But I, I really wonder, you know, could, would somebody else in uh, in in those same cars over that uh, same amount of time as Lewis Hamilton, would they have been as dominant? Would they have won as many races as Lewis? And I don't know. I'm I'm not a hundred percent convinced uh, that they that they would have. Uh, I, I still think that uh, that Mercedes uh, still would have won a, a lot of races. Regardless, uh, you know, if it was uh, if if Lewis Hamilton wasn't there, it was two other drivers, Nico Rosberg and uh, whoever, or two other completely uh, different guys. But uh, yeah, I guess that's uh, something we will never know. But it certainly is uh, something. Uh, you know, it's kind. Of, it was kind of uh, interesting, kind of a, a fun little mental exercise to go through and uh, kind of think that that, that went through. Anyways, uh, back to the news at hand. Uh, Carlos Sainz, the McLaren driver, said that overtaking the the Mercedes drivers was uh, pretty easy. I thought this uh, was uh, <laughs> kind of an interesting uh, quote from uh, from the McLaren driver. Anyways, uh, he had switched to uh, soft tires, uh, and he really pushed his way past uh, Lewis Hamilton. 
and uh, and Valtteri Bottas, and he actually uh, led the you know the the the, the race for several uh, several laps there right at the the, the beginning. Anyways, uh, Science said the tire advantage he had uh, over the Mercedes uh, guys uh, really made it uh, the the overtaking that is. Quite simple. Anyways, he told Sky Sports F1, quote, especially driving around them, it was pretty easy, actually. It was not actually a really tough battle or anything like that. It was just driving around them like they drive around us most of the time. End quote. So, yeah, well, it, it really was interesting, too, because uh, I, I thought right at the beginning of the, 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 the race there that maybe this was not going to be a Mercedes day. I, I thought that, well, you know, what if we see uh, Carlos Sainz race off into the distance? But of course, uh, there there was a, a difference in the tires and it, it didn't work out in the long run. I mean, Carlos had a good uh, result uh, nonetheless, but he really did, <clears throat> excuse me, make it look easy, like he said. Passing uh, th- those two, uh, you know, black uh, Mercedes cars uh, like he did, but uh, I thought that the, the second part of that quote, uh, quote was actually uh, quite amusing. Where he said uh, driving around them uh, was easy, just like they drive around us most of the time. And so, I mean, uh, obviously, it's uh, it's something that uh, the the other drivers, and of course, why wouldn't they be aware of it like uh, everyone else? Because I mean, they're right there uh, all of the time. Anyways, uh, Sainz uh, went on to say that uh, he felt that the key uh, for for him was ensuring that he got enough heat into his tires on the formation lap. And he went on to uh, explain, quote, I put a lot of emphasis on the warm-up lap to try and make sure I got the tires up to temperature. There you see a few cars on the medium tire, others on the soft, but I think those extra few degrees on the soft tire and those extra degrees that I put on the formation lap gave me a first good lap, end quote. One of the other things uh, Science said that I, I thought was uh, quite interesting is that uh, he felt that uh, he really almost uh, got it completely wrong on that opening lap when he uh, got a little bit caught out by Hamilton uh, breaking uh, so early. He actually said that uh, he felt like he nearly crashed into him, uh, but then uh, he just uh, went around him on the outside in, uh, instead. So he passed him. Then he said he saw Valtteri Bottas, which he was expecting because it wasn't raining anymore, that part of the circuit. And he was expecting uh, Bottas to actually pick up the pace. And then uh, all of a sudden he was on top of him. And then uh, before you know it, uh, he's uh, he's passed him and he's into the lead. And I think that, uh, you know, uh, just uh, talking about uh, McLaren, I think that uh, that that has to be something that has to be very, very encouraging uh, for for them. I mean, uh, we, we've talked about it uh, plenty of times over the years on this program, just uh, all the problems that, uh, that they've had. But especially over the last year, year and a half, uh, with all the key appointments that, that they've made, all the people that they brought in, that this team is uh, it, it's going in the right direction. I mean, obviously i mean there there's there there hasn't been any question about that for for some time i mean even last year they had a a very very good year but they continue to make a small and incremental improvements uh, here and there and that's why i think that uh, that um, battle that three-way battle that we're seeing in the constructors uh, championship uh, between racing point Renault and mclaren that's why it's so fascinating at the at the moment i mean i think that all three of these cars are very very evenly matched i think they're all doing uh, a lot of good things there and uh, that that's why it's going to be really Really fun to watch it down the stretch over the next uh, n- not quite uh, two months until the end of the season to see all the uh, you know how these battles uh, shape out. But McLaren doing some impressive things there, and uh, certainly I, I think that uh, th- this is going to be a team that uh, we really have to watch uh, over you know this year into next year. I mean uh, they are getting better, like I say, but it's not that. Uh, it's not going to be good enough in the long run to be uh, competing for best of the rest of the rest, if you want to call it that. I mean, you got uh, Mercedes and Red Bull kind of at the front there. Mercedes undoubtedly the uh, the, the the 
the the team that's still the gold standard, the team uh, to beat. Red Bull is now the best of the rest uh, because uh, Ferrari just isn't there to challenge anymore, at least this year. And then you got to everybody else. And the the, the thing is that uh, regardless of Renault, Racing Points, and McLaren are having good seasons, they still are quite a bit bit uh, ways off of uh, you know even Red Bull. I mean, uh, forget about uh, Mercedes at the moment, but even just to catch up uh, with uh, with Red Bull, that's uh, still quite a bit. So that will be like. I say, even though it's going to be fun to watch these teams scrapping out in the in, in the midfield for third in the constructors' championship this year, it's going to be interesting to see you know how much they're able to close that gap uh, to, to Red Bull over the off season. Then, of course, is Red Bull going to be able to close that gap uh, to Mercedes uh, for for twenty twenty one as well? So uh, again, like I say, there's always uh, something uh, to to watch in Formula One. Anyways, uh, talking about Red Bull, uh, Christine Horner, team principal, uh, says that they made the wrong tire choice uh, choice uh, for the start. And I don't think that uh, Max Verstappen is uh, going to be um, disagree with that uh, statement uh, by by too much. Anyways, uh, Christian had to say, quote, the tires were a little bit of a black art today. I mean, the soft tire was difficult to get going and the medium tire looked to the uh, the best of the range. I think with 2020 hindsight, if we could have done qualifying again, we probably obviously looked to start on the mediums. So Max hung in there on the first lap while Alex lost some ground on the first lap. And then he was able to settle in and obviously look after the tires as best he could. Max got pretty decent range and then he got on the medium and was much happier on that uh, tire. But of course, Mercedes were significantly up the road by that point in time. So that's where we were. So I think P3 was optimum for Max and obviously a bit more difficult afternoon for Alex, end quote. So yeah, the the other thing is too, I mean, that that is interesting. And um, I think it's a fairly frank uh, and open admission by, uh, by, by Christian Horner just to come out and say that uh, I think he's usually pretty forthcoming uh, about things. Uh, he seems to say that uh, you know I, I think he's pretty fair and transparent when he when it comes to things. I mean uh, he likes to take uh, credit and, and praise uh, the, the team and the drivers when they get things right. But uh, he also seems to be the kind of person that also is uh, willing to uh, admit when things don't exactly go um, you know right uh, you know when the, to to what they expect. And I still think it's interesting too if you go back to the start of this year. Well, I mean, we kind of had two starts of the year, right? Because uh, we had everything up until the middle of March uh, before COVID got really bad. And then we had that uh, couple of months break before we started uh, again at the beginning of June in earnest, or sorry, in July uh, in earnest, uh, pardon me. And uh, I thought it was interesting in that sort of in-between time uh, between the uh, the originally pl- planned start to the season and then the actual start to the season that, uh, that Horner said that they, they were the most prepared that they'd ever been in Formula One since uh, he'd been uh, the... the you know, involved in the team. And I think that was very, very interesting because I, I don't want to take anything away from them, but you know, they, they may have been really prepared, but uh, I'm just surprised that, uh, well, I mean, you can only do what you can do and what you can take care of yourself. I mean, what, what, uh, one of your rivals like, uh, Mercedes does is completely out of your hands and you can't really do anything about that. But I'm just surprised that, uh, despite all the buoyancy and, and all the, the, the things that we'd had in between, what with lockdowns and shutdowns and formula one and things like that, that, uh, they actually weren't as close uh, to, to, to Mercedes as, uh, well, I mean, perhaps that was just my, uh, that was my own, uh, take on the situation when I uh, heard that, uh, you know that quote from uh, from Christian Horner that uh, that they were the best prepared ever. That didn't actually mean that just because they were so prepared, they'd actually be able to, to challenge uh, Mercedes uh, a, a lot better. I mean, they've had their moments uh, without a doubt, but again, uh, we just see with uh, with uh, Max Verstappen, you know, there but not quite close enough to challenge uh, the, the Mercedes uh, on a, on a consistent uh, level. Anyways, uh, time for another break here on the Overtime Media Network. Don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment. 
Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. This is not the London I grew up in. It's time to take back our city. This granny's joining the resistance. Are you? Play Watch Dogs Legion. Available October 29th. Rated M for Mature. All right, well, welcome back to the show and sticking with Red Bull. They insist that despite what happens here on out over the remaining five Grand Prix of the season, Alex Albon will see out the rest of the season as a Red Bull uh, driver. And this has been a, a, a tough year for the for, for the young guy. I mean, uh, he came in, uh, obviously, last year, partway through the season, repa- replacing uh, Pierre Gasly, who has uh, struggled. I mean, he did well in that second half of uh, 2019 and hasn't really delivered uh, you know, over the course of the season uh, the, the 
uh, thus far. I mean, uh, of course, you know, the season is uh, completely messed up, but uh, it's been the same for for everyone, not uh, just uh, Alex Elbon. And I think the writing on the, uh, is on the wall. And fortunately for him, I mean, uh, Pierre Gasly seems to have uh, really uh, you know found his mojo again, going back to uh, Toro Rosso slash uh, uh, AlphaTauri, and uh, I. I don't know. I, I thought at the time last year in 2019 that it was a bit of a hard decision uh, that they'd uh, decided to pull the trigger and make that uh, midseason switch. Of course, you know, it worked for them once before when they switched uh, Danny Kvyat and Max Verstappen way back in 2016. They uh, switched them, sent Max uh, up from uh, Toro Rosso to, uh, to Red Bull and Danny Kvyat uh, the, the way down. And Max goes out and wins his very first race for Red Bull at, uh, at the Spanish Grand Prix that year. And and the rest, as they say, is uh, is history. And uh, of course, you would never second guess them uh, for for making that move. Now, I mean, uh, of course, that was um, you know Max was helped a little bit on that uh, that that day because uh, Nico Rosberg and uh, Lewis Hamilton famously collided on that opening lap, and uh, both of them were out. I mean, Max would have had a good uh, race uh, regardless uh, if if uh, the the two Mercedes cars hadn't collided and uh, you know neutralized each other on the opening lap. Uh, but uh, I mean, I think that just kind of uh, th- that race win in his first uh, race for Red Bull proper rather than the uh, the, the junior team Toro Rosso really kind of uh, helped uh, build the legend of uh, Max Verstappen if you want to call it that uh, at Red Bull I mean uh, he's gone to go on and do some pretty impressive things there but uh, there, there's no doubt that Max Verstappen is world champion uh, m- material he just needs the car uh, to be able uh, to, to, to do it but anyways uh, just to, you know going off a, a little bit on a tangent there but the thing is uh, when it comes to Alex Albon, we, we've seen them pull that trigger, uh, you know, mid-season. I mean, he, he's been involved in it himself. He knows it only too well. But I really feel that uh, that that he just hasn't been able to uh, deliver uh, in, the, in the way that they really had hoped. I mean, he, he's he's not uh, getting as many points that uh, that they should be able to. I mean, they, and of course, it was a kind of a tough act uh, for anyone to follow: Pierre Gasly, Alex Albon, whoever, because that partnership, uh, even though it worked for for Red Bull, it didn't work. For for Danny Ricardo, I mean, uh, he he won uh, several races. Max was winning races. They were scoring quite a bit of points uh, together. But uh, it was interesting, though, if you went and looked at uh, the, the the points that uh, Danny Ricardo and Max Verstappen had scored together in uh, their their last year together in 2018, and then you look at the combination of Gasly and uh, Alex Albon. I don't remember exactly the the the, the points different, but it wasn't that uh, that great. Of course, Gasly didn't have a whole year to pull it off. He only had half a year. So uh, I mean, it's a it's a bit of a, a skewed uh, statistic, but the thing is, uh, when, when you look now at, at Alex Albon, who's had a whole year, he just uh, hasn't been able to really consistently uh, stay with the same, uh, you know, match the pace of Max Verstappen, or really get the the, the results that he should be able to, and the, the same machinery that Max has, and and scoring the points uh, that they need, uh, you know, d- d- together. They just uh, Red Bull's uh, one of those teams uh, that they, they don't want to rely on one guy with points. They know that they've got a, a good enough car that they should be uh, scoring, uh, you know, top five uh, finishes and podiums and winning the odd race here and there, regardless of how good uh, Mercedes are. 
and uh, Pierre Gasly and Alex Albon uh, just haven't uh, been able to, to, to get that done. So like I say, I think that is, um, you know, I, I think the, the, the writing is on the wall. Uh, anyways, uh, Christian Horner uh, was uh, talking about it the, this uh, the, the, this weekend, and he said that uh, if Albon is uh, actually uh, let go at the end of the t- season, uh, that uh, the team would actually look outside of their, uh, their, their own drivers uh, that they have in their system. And, uh, you know, that when you got guys like Nico Hulkenberg and Sergio Perez out there, uh, you'd have to think that uh, one of them has a, a pretty good shot to get in that car. I mean, um, Perez is a known quantity in Formula One, as is uh, Nico Hulkenberg. I mean, uh, Hulkenberg has uh, had a, a you know a chance to get in the car a couple times this year, despite uh, you know not having a full time drive after being uh, let go by Renault at the end of last year. I mean, it, we know what he can do too. I mean, he was in the points at the Eiffel Grand Prix at the Nurburgring a couple of weeks ago, uh, deputizing and filling in for uh, for Lance Stroll, who uh, withdrew because he was six subsequently uh, had COVID but uh, yeah it uh, I think it's uh, unfortunate but if you have drivers of the caliber of Nico Hulkenberg and Sergio Perez without a drive for 2021 as a team principal especially if you're a team like Red Bull that uh, you have to look long and hard and uh, and make some uh, decisions so I like I say I think that uh, he really uh, he's, he's living on borrowed time there if he really wants uh, to do something uh, and, and really justify uh, Red Bull keeping him for 2021, then he really only has a couple of races left uh, uh, to do it. Anyways, uh, Horner had to say, quote, the reality is that there's not so many races left in the season and it's getting to that time of the year where we need to start thinking about next year. And obviously, so I think uh, the next uh, few weeks, we're going to have to make a decision. I think that if you look at all the options, I don't think uh, we'd be doing our job if we didn't look at the situation within F1. And uh, there are obviously drivers that have got significant experience and ability and that is a very unusual situation that could be available, end quote. So, yep, I, I think the, the the writing is there. I mean, uh, Horner is uh, really uh, hinting at it uh, specifically. And uh, it, it will be interesting to see how, uh, you know, the, how that pans out. I mean, we saw uh, just uh, last week we were talking about how Haas has decided to let go of both uh, Grosjean and Ke- Kevin Magnussen uh, for, for next year. And uh, confirming it, uh, you know, with a good number of races left in the year, just so that uh, these guys have, uh, you know, the, all that extra time to try and find something uh, for, for for next year, or at least uh, that was their logic, or at least their public uh, explanation of it. Uh, so it makes you kind of wonder whether or not uh, they will uh, do the same thing. And uh, on the flip side, it'll be interesting that uh, if he's like, oh, uh, what, what are they going to do with the with the junior team uh, with uh, with Alpha Tauri? Are they going to keep that same lineup of uh, Pierre Gasly and uh, and Danny Kvyat uh, for 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 twenty twenty one as well? I mean, Gasly, I think has had a pretty good year as reflecting the results that he's had. Obviously, he won the Italian Grand Prix at Monza. Uh, back in the summer there, and uh, he just looks good. I mean, he he looked uh, good again uh, th- this past weekend, and uh, at, at some point, I'm wondering what what's going to happen with the uh, Pierre Gasly. Is he going to outgrow Alpha Tauri? Is is that chance to go back to Red Bull proper? Has that uh, has that moment kind of passed him in his uh, career? And at some point, is he going to have to try and look uh, to make a leap uh, somewhere else outside of that uh, that that Red Bull system from Alpha Tauri up to Red Bull uh, the, the themselves and uh, maybe do something like uh, Carlos Sainz and look to a, a team elsewhere in Formula One should a drive become available. 
Okay, well, now uh, going from uh, Red Bull um, Racing Points, uh, yeah, they were making a lot of, uh, <laughs> well, let's just say, they, they were making news for mostly all the wrong reasons uh, this past uh, weekend. Otmar Safnauer, who is the, the team principal at Racing Point, uh, was really uh, angry and frustrated after uh, Sergio Perez was reprimanded twice over the the, the Portuguese uh, Grand Prix. He was, uh, now he faces a 10-place grid penalty uh, if he gets uh, another uh, reprimand uh, this uh, this year, and uh, <laughs> I love the quote. Uh, Safnauer says that uh, Sergio's got to drive like a saint in the last uh, five uh, races of the uh, of the year. So he was uh, first uh, uh, you know reprimanded for what was a perceived imp- impeding of uh, Pierre Gasly in uh, Q two, and then uh, was given a, a second reprimand uh, for uh, blocking Gasly during the race proper, and then uh, Max Verstappen, of course, uh, was uh, you know he escaped any punishment as did uh, Sergio for uh, causing a crash on the on that first lap which we talked about um anyways uh, Safnauer went on to say um uh, talking about the uh, the incident uh, with uh, with Gasly he said quote they didn't touch Sergio moved first uh, before Gasly did uh, Sergio is allowed to make that move in defense you can't move twice but you're allowed to move once Gasly got out of the throttle and there is no contact so why the reprimand on lap 1 Sergio is hit by Verstappen who comes back onto the track after being run off the track comes back on acutely in order to get his car in a position so he has grip again and runs into Sergio and they do nothing. Sergio and Gasly don't touch. I mean, isn't that what the fans want? Hard defending, good racing. If we start reprimanding drivers and punishing them for racing hard but safely, where's that going to take our sport? End quote. So yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a, a very good point uh, that uh, Otmar is making, especially in that last, uh, the, the, the latter parts of that quote about uh, hard defending because honestly, I thought that was pretty close to the limit, uh, the, the, the way that uh, Perez really uh, you know, fought off uh, Gasly kind of going down that uh, street because it's, it's it's pretty cool the way that uh, that the track is set up. You've got to the start finish, you've uh, you know where where they line up with the starting grid. They go and then there's a crest of the hill and it drops uh, you know fairly significantly as it goes down into turn 1 and uh, you know as you go down the hill there you're picking up uh, quite a bit of speed and uh, it was pretty obvious that uh, that Gasly had a lot more speed going uh, down that uh, that that uh, start to finish straight obviously at DRS and he was uh, really flying and uh, you know uh, uh, Perez really did. Uh, it, w- it was a pronounced and obvious uh, attempt uh, to uh, defend that uh, position as they went into turn one, and uh, it was dodgy. It was close, but ultimately, I think that uh, at least from my eyes, I think it was uh, just on the limit of uh, of uh, what was fair. It was, uh, as Otmar said, it was hard uh, defending, and uh, there there was a certain amount of risk to it. Um, and I, I think he was absolutely on the limit, whether he intended that or not. That's uh, another question but certainly it was a it was a pretty pretty uh, tough uh, defense anyways uh, talking about uh, Max Verstappen and uh, Perez now on that uh, that first lap incident uh, Max had to say that uh, he, he really feels that uh, Sergio quotes took himself out in that uh, that incident that they had on the uh, on the first lap in turn three anyways uh, Max had to say quote it was quite eventful the first two laps the start itself uh, was uh, was quite okay had a good draft down to turn one it was quite low grip so I had to go a little bit wide it was so 
hectic the first lap. At turn three, I had to go a bit wide, and then I think I was behind Lewis, but I had Sergio next to me. He was going around the outside of turn four, but then he just didn't leave me enough space, so basically he just took himself out while I was driving on the normal line. Luckily, I had no damage, but of course you lose a bit of uh, momentum, end quote. So, I mean, it, it is kind of interesting. I mean, the I, I guess... It was 50-50. I mean, the, the the fact that the stewards did look at it and they decided uh, ultimately that uh, there was uh, no reason to uh, you know find uh, Max at fault for that. Uh, obviously, in the 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 the, the, the quote that we just uh, read about uh, or from Otmar Safnauer talking about that uh, incident, he felt uh, that there was something there that uh, Max should have been uh, penalized for it. I thought uh, I thought it was a racing incident, uh, especially on the first lap when everybody's uh, really jockeying for for position and they're really. Close close to, to, together. I thought that Max was there. I, th- I felt that uh, Gasly going, trying to go around the outside, uh, maybe should have given Max a little bit more room. I think that uh, it, it's 50-50. I think you can really make a case either way that uh, that, that uh, Perez took himself out uh, by not giving Max uh, enough uh, room. But then I think you can also make a, a case, you know, uh, on the flip side, the way that Racing Point and Safnauer and Perez are looking at it, that uh, that Max, uh, you know, he, he didn't have the line. Sergio was ahead and he took him out. I think you can go either way on that one. And maybe when it's 50-50, the best is just to, to, to let it go. But I mean, Perez did recover well. I mean, it was uh, you know unfortunate for him to lose a couple of uh, uh, places right at the very end there. I mean, to, to go from dead last after that uh, you know opening lap incident all, all the way up as high as fifth, and then uh, to, to lose a couple of places just in the last couple laps is uh, definitely uh, very very uh, uh, difficult. So, uh, like I was saying, he is close to uh, you know a, a, a ten grade or sorry a ten place uh, grid penalty um, after all that. Uh, so. Uh, <laughs> Anyways, uh, it is a difficult, uh, you know, at times. Anyways, uh, uh, Perez will have to be on uh, his uh, best uh, behavior. But talking about his teammate now, uh, Lance Stroll, he had an incident uh, with McLaren's uh, Lando Norris, and uh, Norris had to say about that that uh, Stroll doesn't seem to learn with anything he does. So Lando, tell us how you really feel. Um, anyways, uh, so the same thing that uh, where, where we'd seen some uh, other incidents was going down into turn one. So Stroll was trying to pass uh, Norris around the outside, and then uh, he was uh, out wide on the curb, and then uh, turned into uh, Lando, and uh, there was a bit of contact there. And Lando was immediately uh, on on the radio saying that there was contact and damaged, and uh, he needed to come in and box uh, right away. Anyways, uh, Lando had to say, "Quote: I don't know what he was doing." Really, I don't know where he was. Really, he went to, to the left, which I was quite surprised uh, by. When he easily could have gone to the inside, I was easily halfway alongside, and he just turns in. He obviously didn't learn from Friday. He just doesn't seem to learn with anything he does. It happens a lot, so I just need to make sure I stay away. End quote. So, well, <laughs> like I say, tell us how you really feel, Lando, about uh, your your incident uh, with uh, with Lance Stroll. I mean, he's not just uh, going on about that. He's really having a poke at Lance uh, for, for a number of things there. Anyways, uh, time for one final break here on the Overtime Media Network. Please don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. 
Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. This is not the London I grew up in. It's time to take back our city. This granny's joining the resistance. Are you? Play Watchdogs Legion. Available October 29th. Rated M for Mature. All right. Well, welcome back to the show. And as we slowly start to shut things down uh, before we turn off the lights and uh, call it a night here, Ferrari has uh, poo-pooed the idea that their cars uh, for Sebastian Vettel and uh, and Charles Leclerc are not uh, identical. Um, so, well, again, if you look at uh, Charles qualified P4 and uh, finished P4, Seb didn't get out of Q2 again, finished uh, in the points in P10, not really all that uh, uh, really all that great. Uh, anyways, um, uh, Matteo Bonato, team principal at Ferrari, was uh, speaking with Sky Italia, and he had to say, quote, Seb and Charles's cars are identical, no doubt. I sincerely hope that Sebastian will be able to qualify better in Imola and show more of what he's capable of during the race. Charles is certainly very good, but maybe you expect even more from the second driver. End quote. So, well, <laughs> that's uh, interesting that uh, they're now, uh, you know, really uh, referring to Sebastian Vettel as the uh, uh, as the second uh, driver. But you know, it, it's just. I don't know. It, it's interesting. Uh, after the race, uh, Seb had a couple of uh, really vague and cryptic things uh, to say. And uh, when uh, he had to say exactly, quote, on the one hand, I'm satisfied because I had the feeling I drove a good race. Uh, I had a hard time at the beginning, lost places and almost lost the car two or three times. After that, I actually drove a good race. But on the other hand, uh, it is obvious that the other car is much faster. Where I lose time, I've been biting on my tongue all year long. Some idiot might never figure it out, but I am a complete idiot. I doubt it. At some point, you should be lucky to and hit the limit. I never hit it, and if I do, then only with a lot of difficulty. On the other side of the garage, it looks much easier. I have to look at myself and do my thing, but of course it hurts, especially because my own expectations are higher than the expectations from the outside. I don't really care about all the fuss, but for me in the car, it is of course difficult to, to process because I am too ambitious and too hungry for more." End quote. Anyways, uh, yeah, that's uh, interesting uh, things uh, from Sebastian Vettel, uh, you know, in that, uh, what were you saying to, to RTL, but uh, he has uh, gone on to say that he actually trusts Ferrari that are actually giving him the exact same car that his uh, teammate uh, Charles Leclerc is, even though that there really is a, a difference between them. And I think we, we've talked about it before. 
that uh, that Charles Leclerc is just uh, one of these drivers that is just naturally talented and and good and able to uh, you know get the best out of any car. I mean uh, that the Salber Alfa Romeo that he started with in his uh, first year in Formula One a couple of years ago that obviously wasn't a wasn't a great car compared to you know what he went on to uh, to drive with uh, Ferrari this year maybe being a bit of an exception, but. Uh, he was just miles ahead, so much better than his teammate, uh, Marcus Erickson. And, uh, you, you look at that, uh, you know, the difference that he has with uh, Sebastian Vettel this year as well, that's, you know, maybe there's uh, some difference in the equipment. Maybe there isn't. I mean, who, who, who's to say when, uh, when you're looking on the outside, like we are, but the fact uh, notwithstanding is that, uh, that, that Charles just seems to be one of these guys that is just, uh, able to get uh, the, the, the maximum out of any car that, uh, he's given, uh, and, and uh, I, I think we've seen that uh, not just in his time with Sauber, but also with uh, with uh, Ferrari. Anyways, uh, Seb uh, did have to to, to go on uh, and say, "quote Well, I think that uh, I have to think that we have the same car. I trust the people around me and in the garage. I have one thing that uh, is obviously told by the stopwatch and the lap times. The other one is uh, by my feeling. Feeling wise, I struggle to get the good laps together, be consistent, and feel the grip that maybe Charles is able to feel. So I'm working on it. But there's nothing else other than to work on that that will get me out of it." End quote. So, you know, it, it is interesting. You know, like uh, there there's almost two kind of a polar opposite uh, kind of things uh, that, that are being said in the uh, in the in the former one when uh, Seb is uh, you know questioning and, and making uh, some uh, uh, you know cryptic uh, comments towards uh, you know about the car and the the uh, the, the validity and the, and the comments uh, from the team that they're getting identical equipment I think that's uh, maybe a bit more of frustration uh, more than than, than anything uh, there who knows it's hard to say whether or not there's any truth to it or not I mean we're just not uh, privy to that that, that in, uh, information but on the other side uh, you have him uh, being uh, you know saying something that's uh, you know a little bit more pleasing I think a little bit more towing the party line if you want to call it that and uh, I think most of the time uh, Vettel is uh, you know he, he's a pretty good team guy he doesn't say too many things uh, you know throw the team under the bus so it is an interesting uh, kind of uh, your recovery and uh, you know, from him after those initial uh, comments. Anyways, um, Ferrari, um, they, they think that Red Bull's engine freeze plan is not a priority for Formula One. Uh, they're really pushing hard, Red Bull that is, to um, uh, freeze the engine spec uh, from 2021. So they, they have the opportunity to, to take over Honda's uh, F1 engine project. and uh, But they're going to need um, support from the other manufacturers uh, to to, to actually help uh, pull this off and uh, of course Honda's leaving after next year to concentrate solely on their uh, you know their 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 their, their fleet of road cars and uh, Mercedes uh or sorry uh, uh Honda get this right eventually <laughs> Red Bull has said that uh, as they look more and more at it it really makes um, the, the the most sense to take over uh, Honda's uh, engine project uh, Formula One engine project and uh, and go with that after uh, 2021 then uh, trying to get customer engines uh, from somewhere else be it Ferrari uh, Renault Mercedes whoever uh, and and uh, Mercedes and Ferrari just uh, don't seem like it's going to happen and, and Renault that seems like a bit of a, a long shot although 
although Azarela Bitabul is, uh, you know, I mean, he's been fairly open about it. Uh, and and uh, even though there's been quite an acrimonious split between the two and that that was a relationship that uh, that, that went sour before uh, Red Bull uh, switched to Honda Power a couple of years ago now and uh, now in the second year with that. But it, uh, it it does make sense that they want to switch and take that over. I mean, there's, there's been a lot of synergy, a lot of good cooperation between Honda and Red Bull. Obviously, they've won a lot of races. Not really a big, huge quantum leap forward from where they were with Renault. Was it, it seems to be a bit of a sidestep, a bit of a lateral move, uh, more than anything else. But uh, it certainly is uh, interesting. Um, Mattia Bonato is the team principal at uh, Ferrari. He says that the engine freeze plan being proposed uh, by Red Bull is not, not the key issue. He had to say, "quote It is true that the engine freeze matter is one of the points of a big meeting, so I'm not sure we'll really discuss discuss it at length. But I think uh, before starting discussing the freezing, more important." is to uh, start discussing 2026. What's the new technical format for the power unit in the future, where the cost will be addressed, and where is uh, the technology needs to be addressed? So I see that as a first priority, and only uh, so freezing is only a second priority to the discussion, end quote. Now, if you uh, go uh, just a little bit uh, further down the pit lane, uh, Mercedes is actually in in favor. They 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 want to back uh, the Red Bull plan to take over uh, Honda's uh, F1 engine uh, project. Uh, anyways, uh, Red Bull uh, team principal Kristen uh, Horner said, "Quote: The more we look, there really is only one option that works." And that would be try to agree something with Honda where we could take over the intellectual property for the Honda engine. But of course, that would be dependent on the regulations, end quote. So, yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, uh, they, they are going to need uh, the, the support uh, from that. But I think it is very interesting that uh, that the Mercedes uh, team is actually uh, in favor of that. Uh, Total Wolf had to say, quote, I totally understand where Red Bull is coming from. They have the capability of tweaking it, the Honda engine, that is, and maybe optimizing it. Maybe there are a few things in the pipeline from Honda giving them confidence that there is more performance. I think we should be doing everything to give Red Bull that opportunity, end quote. So interesting to see whether or not the, that'll be a, that, that'll happen. But I think uh, certainly uh, if uh, Mercedes uh, throws their, their, their weight uh, b- behind it uh, and, and backs uh, Red Bull's uh, proposal to, um, uh, to, to freeze the engines uh, for 2022, then uh, that might uh, <laughs> really might uh, add a lot of uh, weight uh, to that. Anyways, uh, F1 is getting ready to prevent, uh, present a provisional 2021 calendar to the uh, Formula One teams. Um, of course, a lot is going to be up in the air because of uh, COVID, but uh, it, you know the, the calendar has worked and the the the, uh, the safety and health protocols that they have in Formula One uh, for COVID they seem to work. We knew that uh, when uh, the the season got going in July. That uh, that there were going to be uh, there there were going to be incidents and there there have been I mean the, mostly it's been around kind of this ancillary uh, personnel that you have and just that that work at the facilities and stuff like that there's been a number of people at the different tracks and different events that have tested but also inside the Formula One bubble of course um, Perez tested positive uh, Lance Stroll got sick and uh, subsequently uh, tested positive we saw that with a couple of uh, members from the uh, the, the Mercedes team uh, recently but the, they've been able to. Uh, you know, to, to put these um, these measures in effect, they seem to work, and uh, hopefully, uh, you know, they, they can uh, keep going with this. Because uh, I mean, it's going to take a while, obviously, uh, before we get a vaccine, and then once the vaccine comes out, it's going to take a while to get people vaccinated or not, uh, you know. So, I mean, it's going to take a while before we're in the situation where we were before COVID. Uh, so, I think that there's going to be. 
I think there's going to be a lot of uh, things going on with the calendar for, for, for next year. So it kind of really makes me wonder some of these uh, events that uh, we saw canceled uh, this year might be canceled again uh, for, for next year. And uh, Chase Carey says that uh, he wants uh, next year's calendar to resemble the planned calendar that uh, that they wanted for, for this year with 22 races. They want uh, next year's calendar to be as close as this year's uh, calendar as possible, uh, despite uh, the, the the fact that it uh, obviously went and underwent some massive changes after everything fell apart in the in the middle of March, so they're looking at a planned start for the 2021 season in Melbourne as uh, as usual, and uh, it'll be interesting uh, to see uh, what's uh, what's happening uh, going to happen with that. Uh, they're going to um, uh, have some discussions early this week. And, uh, well, who knows uh, how it'll uh, plan uh, or pan out uh, in, in the end. And um, a McLaren team principal, Andreas Seidel, says uh, he's he's really hopeful that uh, the sport can uh, return to what he calls a normal schedule in 21. And Seidel had to say, quote, to be honest, we first have to wait and see what uh, we will see on Monday, what Efron will present us. It was a challenging year this year, something we have never experienced before. And still, I think F1 uh, together with us handled this quite well because we thought in April or May, that uh, we hopefully have a season up to 17 races this year. And I have a lot of trust that F1 will do the right thing also for next year. And of course, the situation is still quite dynamic. And I think at the same time, it's also important to keep some positivity up. And hopefully we can have a more normal race calendar again next year, end quote. So who knows? Uh, There's obviously a lot of things uh, going on in Formula One in the world, but uh, certainly that's something we'll keep our eyes on over the next couple of days. And with the next show coming in a couple of days on uh, Thursday or Friday of this week, well, hopefully there will be some more news on that. Anyways, that's uh, that's it for the show tonight. Obviously, a much longer race uh, recap and wrap-up uh, than usual. And, uh, well, may- maybe it worked in my benefit, uh, <laughs> missing recording on a Sunday night after the Grand Prix to get in uh, some of these uh, extra tidbits and extra news stories that uh, don't often uh, come out on the same day as, uh, as a Grand Prix. Well, anyways, next week, uh, next time I will try to stick to, to the schedule. But uh, until next time, till the end of the week, Thank you so very much for downloading and listening to the show. If you have any questions or comments or feedback in general, of course, the easiest and best way to get in touch is either through Twitter at ScuderiaF1Pod or email ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com. That's it. That's a wrap. Bye for now. Have a wonderful week, and I'll talk to you in a couple of days. Ciao. Thanks for listening to the Scuderia F1 podcast. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to ScuderiaF1Pod.com. Want to get in touch with us? Then email us at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com. This is not the London I grew up in. It's time to take back our city. This granny's joining the resistance. Are you? Play Watch Dogs Legion. Available October 29th. Rated M for Mature.